Please won't someone tell me I'm okay. Hi, and welcome to Tell Me I'm Okay. It's a show for scared people. I'm your host, Andra Whipple, and on this show, we tackle all our biggest and smallest anxieties through learning. Every episode, I ask an expert on something I'm afraid of to come discuss my fears and tell me whether or not I'll be okay. And today, we're talking about something enormous and terrifying, literal acts of God. It's natural disasters. And of course, as always, in addition to the expert, I'm bringing on a very fun friend who shares my fear. It's my friend, Jana Schmieding. She is a Lakota comedy writer, performer, and a star of Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Please welcome Jana. Hi. Here I am. (laughs) Here you are. Oh, I'm really, really excited to have you on here because as you well know, I like you very much. I've told you many times. I think you're very cool. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited slash terrified to talk about natural disasters with you. They're very, very scary. I find them upsetting. When I was little, I actually I grew up in Ohio and I was so scared of them. I was so scared of tornadoes specifically that I would cry if someone said the word tornado. Did you live through any tornadoes? one I lived through one tornado and I was so fucking scared oh my god uh I yeah I was at the dermatologist getting a wart frozen off when uh as you do as a child as you do Uh, in Ohio yeah in Ohio and then we had to like rush home and get in the bathtub uh and we were fine we didn't live through any major ones but I was really really scared that I was gonna get murdered by a tornado yeah, I one time I was um, visiting my reservation, uh, the Cheyenne River Reservation as a child, and um, it's in South Dakota. And while I was there with my sister and brother, we heard my parents were doing um, Habitat for Humanity. So my entire adult family was like going to a like a work site during the day and building houses. And we were home alone. And this one day we were sitting in my uncle's house alone and we heard the like county tornado alarm go off. (gasps) And we like ran down into the basement. That's we were like, I guess that's what you do. And like hung out there for like an hour or so. But it was terrifying. It's very scary. I literally we did a we did a family road trip and we drove through Kansas and I got literally sick to my stomach and I threw up for the entire time that we were in the physical boundaries of Kansas. Oh my god. <laughs> because I was so scared because Kansas is like where tornadoes happen. I mean according they, to the media. According to Wizard of Oz, <laughs> which was <laughs> exactly. my first exposure to a tornado. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now we live in LA, both of us, where like fires are a huge concern. Earthquakes. Uh, earthquakes although no no big one has happened since i've been here and so that only makes me more scared because everyone's like then the big one is coming the big one is gonna truly mess everyone up that makes me want to barf and especially because like i don't feel like something that's called the big one i really don't think that i i personally can prepare for adequately well we can't prepare adequately for it that's the unfortunate reality and we can't conceptualize that level of devastation although i I want to say that, like, we're getting closer to a point where we can conceptualize these bigger levels of devastation because we're seeing them happen in in many different regions of our nation now. Yeah, I, I want to know how, like, if I wind up in that situation, if our family winds up in that situation, what are, like, what are ways that we can, I don't know, <laughs> empower ourselves and our communities to not fucking die from a... <laughs> from a horrible firewall or some crazy bullshit. Yeah. 
Uh, You know, part of me is like, if a firewall happens, I'll just go with it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels like if you're going to go in a natural disaster, you want to go when it's happening as opposed to like afterwards dying of (sighs) thirst. Yeah, I don't, I don't oh, really want to, like, try to survive an apocalypse. That sounds terrible. Although, no. again, some might argue, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think it's time to bring on our expert to uh, ask her all of our questions and tell her about all the things we're scared of. And hopefully she'll give us some answers that will leave us either feeling hopeful or at least like we understand better. Help us. <laughs> Help. <laughs> All right, it's time to bring on our expert. It's Vivian Eason. She is an emergency management coordinator for Thurston County Emergency Management. Hi, Vivian. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, great. Well, Jan and I are really excited to talk to you because as we were just discussing before this, like, we are scared. Terrified. (laughs) Terrified of all of the natural disasters, all of the things that are currently happening in the world, how they seem to be getting closer together. And in particular, how, like, I don't feel ready at all. <laughs> I think, you're, <laughs> the not, I think you're not alone. That's for sure. <laughs> that's that's good to hear, at least. Mm-hmm. Although it would be nice if everyone else was prepared because then maybe the burden <laughs> wouldn't be on me. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I guess my first question for you is, like, what, uh, you know, when it comes to being ready as an individual, what can I do? How can I prepare? It, it really depends. I know you like to hear that, but like, <laughs> where do you live? What hazards mm-hmm. are in your community? Like, do you live in the city? Do you live out in the country? Do you um, live in an apartment? Um, so kind of looking how you live and what preparations you think that you would need. For instance, um, so I have a well for my water. Uh-huh. And so I have a generator so that when I lose power, I can have water Okay. or power. But like for me and Jana, who live in apartments in the city, we have a completely different water situation going you on. You do. You probably drink a lot of bottled water there anyway, don't you, in L.A.? I get it out of my fridge. Yeah. I'm not like, we're not like cool movie stars, exactly. Oh, it's not Although yeah. Jana is. <laughs> no, but no, no, I, I still drink. <laughs> I filter it from the tap. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you want to store, and what they say is a gallon of water per person per day. That would give you enough for drinking and a little bit of personal hygiene. You're not going to be getting the shower and stuff, most likely, if you lose power. That's a wild amount of water, it feels like, because like per person per day, we're talking about like maybe seven days. In Washington State, we've actually moved to two weeks ready. That's not a federal prep anymore. A lot of times they say 72 hours. So... Okay, so if it was, let's say, two weeks, mm-hmm. that's a lot of 14 water. gallons for me, 14 gallons for my partner I live with, mm-hmm. and then also some for my dog. Uh, so that's that's more water than seems reasonable to keep in an apartment. Right. That's that's would be tough in an apartment. Correct. Yeah. So you have to do the best you can do. So at least for three days, 72 okay. hours. And and then and you can store it um, in bottled water or you can store it in uh, waterproof containers and then rotate I've it. I've thought about getting those, but mm-hmm. it would be nice to have this is like this is one of the things that drives me crazy about disaster preparedness is because it feels like 
it feels like you need means, right? You need means to be able to, you need space, which many people who live in apartments are mm-hmm. smaller or like mm-hmm. co, you know, my neighbors live in the same size apartment as I do. And they have four people who live in that oh, apartment. Gosh. That's a lot yeah. of people's worth of water to store in a tiny apartment. It is. It is a lot of water to store in a tiny apartment. And, oh and there are, um, well, means too can be budget wise too. And there are, yeah. there's a lot of resources online, like preparation on a, like a shoestring budget, you know, talking about how you can prepare. There's a lot of things you can buy at the dollar store to put in like your preparedness kit. Well, yeah, let's ask about that because so like water. Okay. Water is one thing. Food. Uh, food. What else? So we need food, anything and, and presumably food, that won't go bad. Food that's something you can eat like can, like buy extra canned goods. We had, we had quite a lengthy power outage here and my, my friend was eating a lot of tuna. <laughs> yeah. Peanut butter is good. You know, things that you don't have to cook. So if I've got my disaster kit, I put food in it, food for presumably also up to 14 days. Yeah. Uh, and there's two different ways that we talk about preparedness. So there's been prepared to stay home. So like mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll say like with, with the pandemic, with COVID, we wanted people to be able to stay home. So you have your pantry stocked so you can stay home. But if there were an earthquake or something where they wanted you to evacuate then you have a go bag and the go bag would have different items than in just your apartment to stay home. So for instance, you have eyeglasses. So you may want an extra pair of eyeglasses in your go kit. Mm-hmm. Um, like a little bit of first aid supplies, uh, prescriptions, or at least a lot of people have those on their phones anymore. If there's power to charge your phones, that could be a huge disaster in itself. People didn't have their cell phones. And just thinking what you need cash, um, like small dollar bills, because a lot of times when there's no power, debit machines don't work and credit card machines don't work. And we'll run into that here because a lot, most of our fueling stations do not have generators. That's also just like... This is it feels very complicated. Just like all of these small things, even like Mm -hmm. when COVID hit, I like freaked out a little bit and went to the ATM and I got two hundred dollars in cash and just like put it in my thing. But like it's all in 20s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not super helpful if I'm trying to get, you know, food uh, or smaller items. Well, at least with COVID, we had power. I don't know what the toilet paper thing was all about. I really don't. (laughs) <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the sewer worked perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the things that scares me with like, especially natural disasters and what, what happens in the fallout. Like, you know, I let's say me and my family, we live through the big one and then we have to, you know, potentially evacuate or or figure out how to stay in like a like a place with no power, no water. Uh, or go to a shelter you know like yeah you have a lot of fires down in that area and um i know san diego has done some huge shelters for people when they had to evacuate the fires because they came up and and worked with us when we're doing our shelter planning so and do you have pets thinking about i have a dog make sure you can evacuate your animals that cats got to be in a crate right my cats hated crates (laughs) So crate training your pets. Uh, a lot of pets have to be on medications anymore, it seems like. So make sure that you prepare for your pets also. Yeah, my dog takes maybe more medications than the average human being. Yeah, uh, my horse does. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, yeah, oh. he has Cushing's. 
Oh, my dog has IBD, so I feel you on weird dog or weird animal diseases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems so like, okay, so there's the stuff you need. And I mean, you know, there are lists of like exactly what that can be. And, and we've kind of gone over that. But then it also feels like I need some maybe know how that I don't feel like I have. Like, I'm just an idiot. Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just like a like a bumbling person who does not have a lot of survival <laughs> skills. So it each, feels like <laughs> so each jurisdiction and, and county, they have their own emergency management. And I know L.A. County's got an emer- they have a huge emergency management yeah. and they down in california is where our neighborhood preparedness started was in california um the the person who began that luann johnson lived down there she went through the uh, loma prieta earthquake and she oh, yeah. talks about how and the firestorms and so she prepared this neighborhood it's called map firestorms is truly yeah. a chilling word <laughs> it is it is it's scary and so um, it's map your neighborhood. And so it's talking about how you work with your neighbors and prepare with your neighbors so you can check on each other and make sure you're okay. If you have a neighbor with special needs, how are they going to evacuate? You saw that in the um, Storm Sandy in um, the East Coast. People couldn't evacuate their buildings because of their yeah. um, their their special needs. That's something that really fills me with a lot of dread is imagining – we already live in a world that's like deeply inaccessible for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And when you imagine, you know, I don't, it seems like a very stressful thing that like for me, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm able-bodied, I'm able to walk around in the world and, and get myself from point A to point B, uh, you know, more easily than others. For me, it's like, it's already overwhelming to imagine Mm -hmm. how I'm going to plan and prepare for these big, scary things. And it, it's, you know, I'm hearing about people during places, natural disasters where their power's out. You know, if you can't charge your power wheelchair, right. you are stranded or in a way oxygen, that... oxygen, if you need yeah. oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. And so with FEMA, they do um, require, if we receive FEMA funding, we're required to plan for the whole community. And so that is um, in our plans but how to reach out to those people, we can't. Like in our county, I mean, we're a smaller county, way smaller than your county. But imagine the county trying to reach out to every person. And that's why we ask that people prepare with their neighbors and check on each other. And we've had stories on how that's benefited people in our community. And then Luann talks about it. Her um, her program is on YouTube. You can watch the videos. It's called Map Your Neighborhood. And it talks about how you check on your neighbors to make sure they're okay. And yeah, and I'm curious about that because I, I've been thinking about this, you know, I live in an apartment. Mm-hmm. My neighbors are six feet away from me. Even if I was a very selfish person and I was like, I have my water, which is an insane amount of water. Yeah. Apparently I have my insane amount of water for my family <laughs> <laughs> and I have my insane amount of food that I've somehow managed to shove into a closet in, in my apartment. But, like, I'm not going to, like, let my neighbors starve to death six right. feet away from me. Uh, well, and it, it, and, yeah, and it could just be that they have special needs that you need to get some help for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of also is the definition of mutual aid, right? It's like we can – that we there's things that this person might have that I – you know, need, mm-hmm. or we can have mm-hmm. an exchange of a, a pooling of resources right. so that we're taking right. care of everybody. 
This podcast is brought to you by how much I love Rutherford Falls. Okay, honestly, there's no sponsor here. I just want you to go watch Jana on Rutherford Falls. She's so fucking funny. Please go watch it so that there's another season and another season and another season. Okay, love you. Also, if anybody like wants to sponsor the podcast, uh, call me. Or, I don't know, text, pigeon, find me. I want to ask about Matt, my neighborhood, because I think for me and Jana, you know, we live in a city like Mm -hmm. we've talked about, you know, previously, we don't necessarily always feel like it's easy for us to be like to have personal ability to be prepared. And especially many of our neighbors, uh, you know, we have unhoused neighbors. We have neighbors who may not have the means to. to store or find, you know, the kind of equipment that they need to survive. And so I'm curious, like, what is the advice in terms of how we can best come together and take care of each other in these situations? Also in a world where I don't know my neighbor's name. I know. And some people, (laughs) and some people don't want to know their neighbor's names. I, I actually have really good neighbors. This is the first community that I've lived in. And I live in a rural area, so my neighbors are only, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six people, you know, homes, because we live on acreage. But in a city where a lot of people, and I was just talking to some people in Arizona, and they talk about how friendly it is there. You can walk up to people and say hi and talk to them. But in a lot of cities, like especially in Washington, you don't go around saying hi to everybody because, I mean, we we're just not as friendly and open. Well, I also feel like there's this sort of like desire to create like an artificial distance. Like if I share a a wall with a person and they can hear like me having sex, like I, (laughs) I don't know that I want them to also know my name. (laughs) Like it's, it's too into, it's very intimate. It's very, it's very intimate, this relationship. Mm -hmm. So like when you, when you have like, uh, 20 feet between you and another person yeah. it's a lot easier to be like oh yes David yeah. I like David yeah <laughs> when David is well, playing Christmas, bass music for, for, it's for, hard to like him when you share a wall for yeah. Christmas you could buy him like headphones or something <laughs> yeah 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 I just got new neighbors who are playing like they love to play music with like oh. a very heavy bass line and I'm like why didn't I get neighbors who love acoustic music I know <laughs> something that is enjoyable and relaxing Yes, that would be that would yeah. be not easy to tolerate. That's for sure. So in the in the map your neighborhood, there's there's all different things that you're doing, and you get together. You actually do it in person, so it's a little harder with COVID. And I actually yeah. tried to do a Zoom map your neighborhood. And it didn't it didn't work very well because it is <laughs> it is meant to be where you sit down with your neighbors, you find out what your neighbors may have that you don't have. Like um, it may be different in the city than here, but like. Maybe who has a chainsaw because my house is surrounded by big, huge fir trees. You know, I may need to remove some trees or or something. We have a lot of windstorms. And then, you know what, if there's children that may be home alone, that's one thing that Luann talked about during the Loma Prieta. It happened at like 5.03 p.m. Parents couldn't get home for like 36 hours. Kids were home already. So there's knowing a safe neighbor that it's okay for them to be with. And so they talk about having a care center in your community and maybe um, a care center and then a place where you get together and you meet and then you go check on people. And when we're talking about community, I think this is an interesting maybe point uh-huh. because like, so you, your community group is like maybe you and the, and the five houses that live near nearby you, right? Yeah. yeah line of sight. 
basically. For me, and also I know for Jana, because I've been to her house. Yeah. Uh, hashtag friends in real life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we, you know, there's a hundred people in my building within uh, within filling the amount of space that probably the number of houses, you know, in your rural place that you live. And so, you know, for for that group, is it like that would be the group, like your apartment building or is it like your block? No, or your... like um, is yours like in floors or how is your apartment laid out? Your apartment yeah, building? Yeah, we've got two floors. How many on each floor? It's usually like 25 homes in a in a bigger neighborhood, 20 to 25 homes. People, enough that you can check on them within the first hour of a disaster and make sure okay. everybody's okay. Yeah. And so you divide it up and it would probably be like, is it like hallways? So I don't know how you're. Yeah. Playing. So yeah. like this, the 101 to 107. Yeah. Or yeah. Not, you know, whatever hallway. Yeah. Because I've worked with condos and I've worked in uh, senior um, housing mm-hmm. areas where they, some of them have independent living some have more assisted living so it works in any kind of situation yeah I feel like it's also interesting because if I think about you know I don't have a storage space but if my landlord uh was down for emergency preparedness for us you Mm -hmm. know maybe we could store water in the garage like if we could all decide together we're going to store a huge amount of water in a parking spot in the garage instead of having a parking spot that might yeah, me feel yeah, maybe put like a chain link fence or, you know, something to a locker, something you could store it in. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. want to make sure you rotate it like every six months or not just rotate it. But if it's you can if it's um, bottled water has an expiration date. Yeah. But if it's water you've stored in a container, there's on you can actually um, sanitize that water and refresh it. Like with a little How bit of like a, some bleach, water? <laughs> like some bleach or boil it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, yeah. if, if oh. you go to your county's website, I bet you they have a ton of stuff on emergency preparedness. I can guarantee yeah. you that LA does. Yeah. I think LA is such a different people. It is really interesting to talk to you knowing that you're living in a rural place mm-hmm. versus us living in a city because yeah. the considerations and also the just what's available to us, what's possible for us requires much more mutuality like for for us to store enough water for my like group or whatever would require the buy-in of our landlord um it's a different kind Uh of and same we have a lot we have a Mm -hmm. lot of apartments here and i work in you know when i work i work in town and then up in seattle of course they have a lot of apartments and so then you want to find out what the county's plans are like where are they looking at where they may have um, a center where you can go to to get information or a shelter. So that's what you want to find out what your city or county has planned for your area so that you actually know what's going on. How would you get that information? What radio yeah. station do you list, would you listen to for that information? Do you have any tips for like in terms of trying to get buy-in from your neighbors? I can imagine, you know, I'm trying to think of how I would do this. Maybe I'd, I'd post flyers around my little area. I'd knock on everyone's door or whatever. And I can imagine that some of my neighbors might be like, no, I'm not interested. I don't really care about. And that's normal. Um, yeah. And so what you do is you hand them one of the map your neighborhood booklets and say, this is what we're doing. Uh-huh. And then if there's a disaster, they're going to come running to you because they know that they yeah, know that you know. I know where water doing. is. You yeah. know, that is that is such a good actually a good tip is to is to like for me at least to realize like 
not everybody's going to get on board and you just no. have to get ready to be rejected <laughs> by your yeah. neighbors. You do. I get rejected a lot. <laughs> and, you know, then and then we are busy, you know, trying to communicate with different languages. So, you know, emergency management needs to prepare for the whole community. So we're also in our county um, and actually in Washington State, they have a new limited English proficiency law. And so we have to meet certain requirements for reaching out to people with, um, for us, it's Spanish and Vietnamese in our county. It goes by your census. Yeah. And so um, if you have neighbors that maybe they don't speak English or they might need some help. Yeah. Um, in like a 12 foot radius of me, I have people who mostly speak Spanish, mostly mm-hmm. speak Armenian uh, mm-hmm. and me who only speaks English and like a, right. a pathetic amount of French, uh, yeah. which is not going to help any of us. <laughs> <laughs> you could go you could go to Haiti and help them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I could I could definitely pro- yeah. communicate about those basic things, but I do yeah. not know the yeah. word for water in Armenian, which is actually probably something I should learn because I live in a community that is uh, largely Armenian. Yeah. You have to just kind of ask, and there's like a whole list of things that Map Your Neighborhood goes through, and you just ask, you just answer all these questions, and you kind of map out where people live, and if people have special needs, like if someone's in a wheelchair, if they are hearing impaired, um, you know, different things that people may need extra help with. People checking on each other and making sure that, you know, you would feel terrible if your neighbor had died and you didn't even know, you know? Yeah, well, and having the pre-planned infrastructure in Mm -hmm. place that you already, you know, it it would be great if I learned my neighbor's names before I'm trying to figure out if they're dead. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about, you know, I, we're talking about wanting to take care of our neighbors because it is, you know, we, we feel like we don't want to let anyone die on our watch, things like that. Right. But are there selfish reasons, you know, to, to have, to, to be prepared like this or to talk to your neighbors or to have a community plan? Like, are there better outcomes for me uh, if I'm, if more, I'm a very selfish person? Comf- I always think it's more comfort. It's yeah. more comfortable to be ready and be prepared. And I always say you should have chocolate because it's really, <laughs> and wine, you know, yeah. and wine. this is so <laughs> true. Know, talk- comfort food, yes. comfort food. But you know, being more comfortable, like during the snowstorm, I was all ready because we got warning for mm-hmm. days. They're telling us. I, my truck was full of fuel, I, but it's like really important that I was comfortable to stay home. So I had food, water, and I, I really did stock up on wine at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> but being, being comfortable and, and not having anxiety yeah. and, and not being worried about, you know, how often do disasters really happen? I mean, yeah. in, the, in the winter here, we normally always get flooding or windstorm. Those are notice events. So you get warning on those. And there's things that you can do as soon as you get those warnings. You, you have time to go out and buy all the toilet paper. <laughs> but This is but what, what I find disturbing about earthquakes in particular. Is I know. That they are not notice events. No and I notice. find that very scary. Those are scary. And earthquakes in 2001, that was the first earthquake I'd ever been in. And yeah. it was really scary. Well, that actually, so. that brings me up a question that I like to ask all of the people is... So you're you're you know a lot about natural disasters. You're an expert on preparedness. Uh, I am afraid because I am not an expert. As an expert or a person who understands this much better than I do, what is your level of fear around natural disasters? How scared are you of them happening to you? You know, honestly, I would say I am not as afraid of natural disasters as like a home fire. 
Um, okay. I'm, you know, for some reason it scares me to think about my home burning down. Yeah. And so that's one that, you know, but I can do smoke detectors and I can do everything I can to, you know, to protect myself. But fire is probably one of the most unforgiving fire and flooding. Yeah. And they cause a lot of damage. And it just, the fires scare me, it's, especially when I see them running through California like that and they're causing so much. One of the emergency managers from up here went to Santa Rosa and they had the big fires after that. And, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 They're and, very And upsetting. I love animals. And so it's like, I, I always Ugh. worry about, you know, getting all the horses out of there and livestock. Oh, and, God. Really, really scary. Especially, yeah, yeah. Like where we are, the fires are right next mm-hmm. to all of the main horse areas, all of the main. Although it is yeah. amazing, you know, speaking of mutual aid, to see, you know, when oh, we yeah. had the fires, the number of people who were like, I can take your giraffe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not your tiger, but your, yeah. <laughs> your alpacas are fine. Yeah. I have to say, you know, we... We had prepared, you know, we had H1N1. I was in emergency management then. Yeah. We had the pandemic, but it was nothing like this. And it's so exhausting. And we have a lot of people leaving um, and retiring. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think when we're, when we're, I was talking to an emergency manager and said, you know, how many people are going to leave our, our field? Because it's not like you go home and turn off work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that also speaks to, you know, first of all, how grateful I am to be able to talk to you today and also, uh, you know, how maybe a a greater cultural and social goal is how can we be more supportive of these kind of, you know, jobs so that we can make them something that people maybe, you know, want to do, not just out of the goodness of their hearts, but because they're, you know, they feel well taken care of. If they're taking, yeah. if you're taking care of us, I feel like we should be yeah. taking care of you. Yes. Well, and, and a lot of time people don't realize what emergency managers do and emergency managers are running the emergency coordination centers. So we're, we're working with all the first responders and kind of coordinating the effort so that fire isn't off doing their thing and laws doing their thing. We're trying to bring everybody together to work together. And that's kind of what we do as emergency management. So we're kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, people you were not classified as in some instances we're classified as first responders because you know we we have to be there yeah again it's taking care of yourself and knowing what your um what you need versus what someone else may need yeah and and so it it may be different what i need compared to what you need and so when you're talking about preparedness it's got to be individualized in that you may have different needs like you may not like chocolate and I do. <laughs> you oh, may no. not like. You may have I peanut like butter. <laughs> you may be allergic to peanut butter. You know. Or, I think something yeah. universal that unites m- many of us, and definitely all three of us on this conversation, <laughs> is a love of chocolate. Easily. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Vivian. I really appreciate this conversation, and I think it's given me a lot to think about in terms of how I'm gonna try and unite with my neighbors who I am afraid yeah. of talking to. Yeah, I know, I know. It's always scary at first. Like the neighbor's tree fell on my fence and that's how we met. Uh, I know, you're always so scared and then you're like, oh, they're a regular person, they're fine. They're, yeah, they're really nice. Yeah. I'm glad they live there. And they're also yeah. scared in an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. And my poodle got, she likes to go under the gate. She got out Aww. today. One of my neighbors texted and said, your black dog's out. I knew who it was. Her name was Mischief. With that. She's a standard poodle. Aww. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much to think about. 
Uh, and again, for people, this was Vivian Eason, and she is an emergency management coordinator for Thurston County Emergency Management. Thank you for taking both taking your time out of your day to help us understand. And also, thanks for being an emergency management coordinator. It sounds like a hard job. Oh, yeah. It's rewarding, though. And, <laughs> yeah. and I really appreciate you, you um, having me here. I mean, it's great to be able to talk about and give information that might help people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully one day, uh, hopefully we just never have to live through a natural disaster. But <laughs> when we do, Jana and I are going to survive. You will. Uh, we'll survive. <laughs> We're going to survive. Wow. Okay. Well, that I feel like, well, part of what I learned during that was that I, I literally do not know how it's possible for me to store enough water. <laughs> I can't stop thinking well, you about gotta it. Try. I'm gonna try. I do try, but it's like that's a that's a fucking wild amount of water. Okay, but here's something, Andra, that we didn't talk about that I remember in my own disaster preparedness that we've always done as a household in Oregon. If there's gonna be a big um an, a weather event, uh-huh. is if you have a bathtub, you just fill up your bathtub with water. Ooh, yes. My bathtub is disgusting, but. Because you know what you're going to need is you're going to need water to, you know, you'll need water to like drink. You can boil it so it's drinkable uh, or like sanitize it. But you also might need it to flush the toilets. Yeah. To like pour in to flush the toilets because if you're if the electricity is out and water pumps are down, then uh, no flushing going to (laughs) be happening. You got to do it mechanically manually the other hot tip that i uh i learned about emergency kits was have baby wipes in it for like if you know she's talking about two weeks that you might have to wait without water you're gonna wanna baby wipe your butt oh yeah yeah (laughs) and your Mm -hmm. armpits and probably that's all i can think about is like how is my um how's my butt gonna feel and how's my like like my thigh chafe gonna feel oh my thigh (laughs) chafe is gonna be furious i'm a very sweaty person (laughs) I can't even. Same. It, oh my god! I love to. I love to wash my sweaty bits. Mhm, mhm. It feels so good. So you gotta get baby wipes in your pack. Is what I'm saying. I'm definitely gonna double up on baby wipes. Yeah, baby wipes, doggy wipes for when your dog stinks. You know, all sorts of yeah. things. I learned that no matter how prepared a um, local government may be, there not going to be prepared enough. No. I mean, I think that's a big theme is like think of every possible thing that you can you can have taken care of for yourself and your community because I just don't think that they have the resources to be able to help us as much as we wish they could. I know. And I do think that like I'm coming from a place of being like very like mad at our government because they haven't been taking care of us at all. Yes. Um, and so it's like really easy for me to be like, well, you should be. What What is your job otherwise? Honestly, what is your job? Like if you're not here to take care of us in a in a really hard time, yeah. like what is what is whatever. But, you know, there is definitely some like personal responsibility involved and and speaking from experience and coming from like a family that's pretty good at preparing for disasters as well as you know seeing how my sister in Dallas is handling the freeze in uh, Texas um they are prepared 
They have been prepared. And it's saving their asses. Yeah. Well, and it also helps me to think of, like, I really think that's where the community stuff comes in in a way that would be really, you know, it would be nice to know you know, especially as like I've tried to assemble an earthquake kit many times and I find them very overwhelming. It would be nice to know, okay, well, uh, Greg next door has waterproof matches and Angie, uh, you know, two doors down has a radio. So I don't really need to get a radio. You know, we don't need a redundant amount of radios on my block. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, am I going to start a map your neighborhood program or join the committee in my neighborhood? Maybe. Um, But I think the first thing that I need to start with personally in my life is I need to get a, a kit together. I am all, it's not in one place. It's I've heard with like, um, you know, earthquake prone regions, you should have like a pair of shoes by your bed and you should have your to go kit, like ready to go, like by the door, like close to the exit or wherever. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to start with step one and I'm going to get a kit. Yep. And also maybe stock up on cat food because you have cats and they're going to get hungry. Oh, God. They have more food than I have. It's <laughs> in, in, insane. I'll be eating cat food in the disaster. Let's just say that. Well, another thing I learned from COVID is like what you should really have is have a lot of canned food on hand that you eat regularly. That you just like always be getting canned food at the grocery yeah. store. Always be just grab a couple more beans. <laughs> you never know. There's never enough beans. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, I do love a pinto, so <laughs> I'm just going to just always have a shit ton of pinto beans yeah. in my cabinet. I think have as many beans on hand as possible is like a very important survival tip that I would like to leave everyone with. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Jana. I think you're the best. I'm you're awesome. And is there anywhere that people you want to tell people to follow you on the internet? Um, sure. People can follow my unprepared butt on Instagram or Twitter at Jana Unplugged, but it's spelled in a very America Online, uh, <laughs> like an AIM way. It's, <laughs> but it's you'll find it. U N P L G G D, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can also, you know, you can hear my podcast about, um, weight stigma and um the politics of body size uh you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts it's called woman of size it's very good and it's very good and andra was a guest and it's um really really interesting and also you know watch rutherford falls on peacock yeah i mean i'm, I'm getting I'm a on peacock the show. i'm literally and i will call mr nbc to tell him this i'm getting a peacock subscription just because of your show Yes. I would be doing it even if I didn't know you because the show sounds really funny. Um, but I'm getting it because of your show. It sounds so good. So everyone should get a Peacock you know, subscription for Jana's show. You do. You don't need to pay for it. You can have it for free with ads, but you can also get the ad-free experience, of course, for uh, some amount I of money. I can't have but... any ads sullying your beautiful face, Jana. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, we did it. One fear down, seven billion to go. This podcast was produced by Mervyn Deganos, Lucas Whipple. Yes, that's my brother. And me, Andra Whipple. Music by my parents, Gail and Tim Whipple. They make jingles and also full-blown walking, talking existential crises like me. Sing us out, Mom and Dad. Please won't someone tell me I'm okay. Is that okay? <laughs> I think Big 20 might be it.
Oh God, I, I have a disaster coming up. I'm babysitting my seven and nine year old nieces. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I better buy lots of chocolate. <laughs> They're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna need it. <laughs> That's a natural disaster if I've ever oh, seen one. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to really prepare your house, get all the food in order. <laughs> yeah, I know. Their their mom came by today. She's they're my great nieces. So